This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg describes those entities of the world of emanation, of the divine world of emanation, the angels and the souls of the world of emanation have divinity, are like uh, are godly. And therefore, since they are godly, they're connected. Since they're so connected, therefore, I mean, therefore, even when their souls come into this world, since they remain souls of the world, the divine world of emanation, they remain godly. So therefore, the moment they sin, they become, they lose their existence because they can't be disconnected for a moment. They're so plugged in, they're so connected, their whole being is godly not just they do godly, they act godly, they think godly, their whole being is godly. So if they, if they unplug, if they sin, they disconnect, they become disconnected. And that's why they passed away, when they wanted to sin, they passed away before they had the opportunity. That's why they passed away young. It says Hashem took the soul of Hanoi, He took him away. He was very young, he was only 365 years old. Spring chicken. They put him away before he had a chance to to sin. So, because they were so connected, therefore they could they can't exist. You know, it's like electricity can't exist. The moment it's disconnected from its source, from the generator, it ceases to exist. It can't their soul cannot exist if it's if it's disconnected by sin. That's how, that's how plugged in they are. And um, that's why we find the generation of the Jews in the desert. They were so connected that the slightest thing happened and there were immediate consequences. Nadav and Aviyah went into the Holy of Holies. Bam, they're out. They're finished. The smallest of the sin is immediate, immediate reaction. Because it's so, it, the connection is so intense and so real that that's their life force that's their being so if you sin you're doing something that's not godly you can no longer exist you cease to exist can't continue that's how the commentaries explain they, uh, some of the commentaries the spies when the spies went to Israel the question they asked them is what kind of land is it because the Jews were, uh, it was challenging to live under such an intense environment. You know, it's like you, you live in a, you walk in a, you live in a spaceship, you, everything is very delicate, everything is very sensitive. You have, to, it's, you have to be constantly, it's very intense. 
you're constantly, when you're on the front lines, everything, the slightest thing is life and death. The slightest mistake is life and death. It's so intense. You're so charged up. You're so focused. Your life is on the line. Everything is amplified. Everything is so focused and concentrated. You know, when they work in these uh, chip factories, they walk around like astronauts. Because the smallest, the slightest thing could destroy this billion-dollar plant. Slightest piece of dust. Anything could interfere. Anything can get in the way. It's so delicate and so sensitive. So intense. So the Jews were wondering, is this gonna, are we entering into a normal land or are we going to continue this intense existence? They couldn't handle it. This constant living at the edge of the sword. You constantly, you know, Hashem, godliness is so intense and it's so powerful that it's your very being. So you can't even be disconnected. The slightest disconnect causes you to seize. So these were the special souls, the souls of Atsilas, very intense souls, godly souls, that even as they came into this world, they retained their godly, divine aspect. And then he says in the bottom of page 375, Reasonable to assume that also the thousands and myriads of worlds that are in the Golgotha of Aretanpin and Zerampin, abbreviated in the original Hebrew text as Aleph, Aleph and Zion Aleph, respectively, as stated in the Kabbalah, are not really worlds like the Hechela of Hesulu and the form of Yet, but are like the souls of the angels that emerge from the Zulu of Neshikim, and earlier are not in the category of Yesh, as are the Hechalot, or bodies of the angels, and are called worlds relative to the rank of the Yavalta and Yisra. He doesn't mean literally worlds beyond the world of divine emanation. That's the highest world. But he's referring to words, the words and letters. All the worlds are created from Hashem's speech, the divine speech, words and letters. Words are defined, letters are defined. But the these words and letters are like separate entities. In other words, in relation to the to the to the light, they're referred to as world as worlds. But they're not actual worlds. In other words, the worlds that were created world of emanation, the world of creation, formation, and action, our world, with all its myriad of beings, is actually only an actualization, a manifestation of a small amount, a tiny amount of the divine words. Like there are many words that are there, but were never spoken. Hashem is infinite, so there are many words you know, there could have been many, many worlds and many other types of worlds. There are five senses. Why are we limited to five senses? God could have created it to ten, a hundred, a thousand, a million senses, a trillion senses. So there's so many words, so many possibilities, but they never got said. Those words remain hidden, concealed, and were never actually spoken. So the words that were actually spoken a very small, a tiny fraction of the words 
potential. The words that are there. So those words are referred to in the Kabbalah as the thousands and tens of thousands of worlds that are in the Golgalta and to the skull, so to speak, of Arechanpin, these very high lofty levels that are beyond the world of emanation. So even though he refers to them as words, refers to, they really refer to worlds are referred to really as words and letters. Words and letters themselves are not divine, but they they um, derive from the divine. That's why he compares them to the angels and the souls, which are um, entities of the world of emanation. Not the world of emanation itself, but entities of the world of emanation. So too, you have all these words and letters that result from the divine, so they are not the divine itself, just like the soul and the angel are not divine. They are godly, and their being is godly, and they're connected. But they're not God. They're entities of the world of emanation. But they're not... They're not God. Everything that's a part of God, we call godly. Is God himself. But how do you distinguish the two? What's the difference? What's the distinction? If you're saying that the souls of the world of emanation are godly souls, the angels of the world of emanation are godly <coughs> beings, the words and letters, all these, <coughs> multi, all these worlds are godly. And yet it's not God. They're entities of the world of emanation, but not the world of emanation itself. What's the difference? What's the distinction? And the distinction is that anything that's a part of God has the ability to create something from nothing. Only God has the ability to create something from nothing. And anything that's a part of God has that ability to create something from nothing including the vessels of the world of Atsilas. The vessels of the world of emanation have the ability to create. It's godly, it's divine. The angels and the, the souls and these words and letters of the world of emanation, they don't have the ability to create. Yes, their whole being is godly, they're connected, but they're not God. They are separated. So it's almost like a paradox. They're godly, but they're not God. Because they're separate. It's like a child. A child is one with his parents. A child is the parent. That's why a child automatically inherits the parents. Even a day-old child inherits. If his parent is uh, worth $100 billion, the child... The moment he's born, inherits everything. Because the child is the parent. But the child is separate. So it's a separate entity. But it's an entity that's nothing other than the parent. But it's separate. 
It's not the parent itself. If your if your uh, fingers, if you cut, if the child cuts the finger, the parent feels the pain emotionally, but it doesn't feel physically. Doesn't feel the pain because it's separate. So the souls of the world of emanation are godly. Since the whole being is godly. But they're separate. It's been separated. They're souls. They're entities. Entities of the world of emanation. They're angels. They're souls. Words and letters that have been separated. But their whole being is godly. But they're separate. So it's not God himself. And that's why they don't have the power to create. An entity doesn't have the power to create. Even the soul, an angel of the world of emanation, doesn't have the power to create. The vessel of Atsilas, however, the vessel of the world of emanation, does have the power. Does have the power to create. Because it's God. God and His vessel are, are one. The light and the vessel are absolutely one. So therefore, God has the ability to create. So He has the ability to create through the vessels of the world of emanation. He has the ability to create something from nothing. They, the angels and souls of the field, are not, however, actual divinity, and as such, able to create substantiality ex nihilo. The ability to create ex nihilo is exclusive to the Ein Sof. Since the kalim of the spirit of the Silut are utterly united with the infinite Ein Sof life, they are able to serve as conduits for the creation of Yesh from Ayan. The angels and souls of the Silut, however, are not actual divinity and are thus unable to serve in this way. Because they already emerged and became separated from the kalim of the tenth spirit of the Silut within which the cloud of the infinite Ein Sof life invested. For the light is like its source, the luminary, i.e. the very core and essence of the blessed emanator, whose being is of his essence. His is an essential form of being. He is not heaven, but then brought into being by some other ila, cause, preceding himself. An antecedent state of non-existence could not possibly apply to Hashem's existence, which is an essential form of existence. He's saying that although the world is created through the vessels, but the world is created through the light the light that's enclosed in the vessel. The light that comes from the infinite light. Why does it have to be from the infinite light? Because the light, the, the characteristic of light is light reflects its source. You look at the light of the sun, it reflects the sun. Do you have an idea what the sun is about? Heat, light. Everything that's in the sun is reflected in its light. So although it's merely the light, it's just a reflection of the sun. It's not the sun itself. And that's why the light doesn't affect the sun. It doesn't matter to the sun whether it's bright outside or it's light outside or it's dark outside. The light is shining, the light isn't shining. But nevertheless, the light reflects its source, reflects the sun itself. So too, 
Hashem's infinite light, although it's just a reflection of Hashem. So since Hashem is infinite, the light is also infinite. But it's merely a reflection of Hashem. It doesn't affect Hashem. And the light is not the essence. It's not the sun itself. That's why the light is called Ur Ein Sof, infinite light. Infinite means there's no end. There's no limit. It reflects Hashem. Hashem has no end. Hashem has no limit. But the essence, Hashem, who is the source, has a much greater quality than being infinite. What's a greater quality than being infinite? What? Being finite. No, no. Even a greater quality than being infinite. Infinite means that there's a starting point. But it goes on forever and ever. There's no end. It doesn't mean there's no beginning. Ein Sof means there's no end. But there's a beginning. The light has a beginning. It has the this, this, this source. The light, you can't say the light doesn't have a beginning. Of course the light has a beginning. The light is a reflection of its source. So the light has a beginning, its source. And it goes on. It has no end. But it has a beginning. While the source, the greater quality of the source, is not that it has no end. The greatest quality of the source of Hashem is Hashem has no beginning. What are the principles of Jewish faith? That's the, that's the definition of Hashem. Hashem has no beginning. It's not that Hashem goes on and on, Hashem is infinite, and Hashem has no beginning. Hashem always was, and therefore He always will. It's beyond time, space, but there's no beginning. Must be. His being is... An, is it's not, there's no reason why he's here. He is, period. Always was and always will be. So Hashem is the ultimate existence. The only existence, true existence. Because the only independent existence. Who exists because he exists. I am because I am. The opening of the Ten Commandments. Anoichi. I am because I am, period. I am Hashem Elokecha, Lord your God, but, but Anoichi, I am because of who I am. That is the essence of Hashem that has no beginning. The light has a beginning. The light is attached to its source. It comes from its source. It, then it's Ein Sof, it's infinite, it goes on and on, and it's infinite, and it's... But it's not the source. And it's not like the source. And it can't be like the source. So light, in a sense, doesn't even know what the source looks like. Because light, by definition, it could be infinite, but it has a beginning. It doesn't know what it means to have no beginning. The light, its whole being speaks and, and announces, I have a source. I'm nothing other than my source. I reflect my source. All I am about is my source, Hashem. The light is completely is consumed. This whole being is a reflection of the fact that I don't exist without my source. I can't exist for a moment without my source. If you remove the light from its source, you remove the electricity from the generator, there is no electricity. It can't be disconnected for a second. You can't bottle light and sell it. It's completely connected to its source. So the whole, its whole being shouts out, I am nothing but my source. So what am I all about? 
my source. I'm all about this Hashem. There's a God. I'm just a reflection of Hashem. That is light. What is Hashem all about? Hashem has no beginning. We can't even fathom it. We don't even understand what that means. We don't even have the words and the language. We, there's nothing in our reality that we can relate to it. How can you relate to something that has no beginning? What do you mean it has no beginning? Everything in this world has a, has a reason, has a source, has a root, a source, a reason, a rhyme. What do you mean? I am because I am? I exist because I exist? Period. No rhyme, no reason. I just am. It doesn't exist in the universe. This concept, this sense, this feeling doesn't exist in the universe. It's not possible for it to exist. Because the only one who has this feeling is God Almighty Himself. That's the definition of God. Anything that's not God, from the greatest light and the greatest revelation and the most intense revelation and the most spiritual, most sublime, the infinite light itself, God's infinite light, it's a light, it's a reflection, it has a source. It's infinite, it has no end, but it has a beginning, it has Hashem. And it completely shouts out and that all I'm about is my source. I'm nothing other than my source and my whole being is just here to announce and to reflect my source. Can't even conceive that there's something without a source. But that's the essence of Hashem. The only creature in the universe, the only place in the universe that could relate to this feeling, that knows what it feels like to be God to be an absolute being it's completely independent doesn't need a rhyme or a reason doesn't need a justification has no source always was, always will be and always is absolutely is ego the material, this physical material world Everything in this world shouts out, I exist. From the amoeba, to the tree, to the animal, to the blade of grass. Ultimately, the human being. I exist. Self-preservation. I. My existence. My physical existence. I am. Because I am. No rhyme, no reason, no source. It's here. This piece of wood is here. It's here. I exist. Why do I exist? Why should I exist? What justification do I have for my existence? I am. And I feel that way absolutely. Our ego feels so natural and comfortable. Where does this feeling come from? You can't give what you don't have. If our source is the divine energy that's creating us, the divine energy doesn't have this feeling. The divine energy is completely dependent on its source. How can the divine energy create an entity that feels completely independent, that feels completely that it has no source? 
doesn't even have a need to find a reason. A justification. Doesn't even have a curiosity to find out why. Just feel so comfortable. I am. Because I am. Where does this come from? How could the, the, the energy that creates us, how could the energy give us something that it doesn't have? The energy has a source. How could the energy create matter that senses it has no source? How can the light, which has a source, and its whole being is it's nothing other than its source, how can it create something material and dense that shouts out, I have no source, I don't need a source, I am? The answer is, that light, the light of Hashem is infinite light. Light reflects its source. Reflects everything about its source. Everything that's in the source is reflected in the light. Even that part which is completely beyond the light. But because the light is completely nullified to its source, it's nothing other than the source. Its whole being is its connection to its source. Because it's so connected to its source, and it's so dependent on its source, and it's nothing without its source, therefore, it reflects everything that's in the source, including the most essential part of the source, the fact that the source has no beginning. So even though the light, by its very nature, by its definition, means it has a beginning, and its whole being shouts out, I'm nothing other than my beginning, and I'm completely nullified to my source, I'm completely nullified to my beginning, which is the this, sun, this the source, which is Hashem. Completely nullified before Hashem. But this light also, because it's so connected to its source, because the light is so egoless, and it's not about itself. Its whole being is just to reflect the sun. So whatever the sun has, you can find in the light. Whatever the source has. So if Hashem is the source, and the most essential aspect of Hashem is that He has no beginning, that quality and that aspect is also reflected and is transmitted through the light. even though it's way above the pay grade of the light, it's way above the head of the light, the light has no clue what that means. But the light has it, and it transmits it. Because the light is so faithful, and so connected, and it's so egoless, and it's nothing other than the sun, it has nothing of its own, that it doesn't get in the way. It can get in the way. Usually, see, spirituality could get in the way. But the light of Hashem's infinite light is so nullified, is so egoless, is nothing other than its source, which is Hashem, that it faithfully reveals and expresses and conveys everything that's in the source, in Hashem Himself. So if Hashem's essential being and character is that He has no source and He has no beginning, and that's something that's completely beyond the comprehension of light, even the infinite light. But the infinite light faithfully conveys that aspect as well. So the infinite light of Hashem, which is projected into the vessel, 
through the vessel, which limits the light and therefore creates something physical and limited. But that infinite light also conveys the essence of Hashem, which is Hashem, the fact that Hashem has no beginning. And that ability, that creative ability of Hashem, to create something from nothing. So that ability comes directly from the essence of Hashem, but it's conveyed through the light. Even though it's beyond the light, but it's conveyed faithfully through that light. So that quality of the ability to create something from nothing, a something that feels it's completely independent, completely cut off, completely disconnected, has no source, as if it has no source. Because the something from the nothing, as we learned last, last time, is so far, it's like different universes. And matter and energy is like two different universes. The matter doesn't relate to energy, doesn't know what energy is, it, it, it doesn't respond to energy, it's a completely different universe. It's as if it just exists on its own. So that ability, that sense of ego, of absolute ego, of being self-sufficient, self-contained, an American, self-made man. I don't need any rhyme, I don't need any reason, I don't have a God, I don't need a God, God forbid. This illusion that I am a self-made man and I just exist and there's no root and there's no source and there's no energy and there's no spiritual source, there's no spiritual root. And what you see is what you get and this is where it begins and this is the origin and this comfortable feeling that we have that I exist, I always did exist, I always will exist. That's how the ego sends it. That's why the ego can't accept death. The ego can't emotionally, psychologically. It's completely traumatic and devastating because as far as we're concerned, as far as the ego is concerned, we always existed and we always will exist. We can't even imagine that our existence will end. Intellectually, it makes a lot of sense philosophically, but emotionally and psychologically it's, we can't accept it. That's why death is so traumatic. So this ego sense, this solid sense of I, which seems to us so solid and so real, when in truth it's the greatest illusion. <laughs> There's nothing solid, it's so ephemeral, it's so nothing. It's truly nothing. It's just a blip, a pass, an insignificant nothing. But the sense of solidity, the sense of I am, and that I is the center of the universe. And the whole world evolves around that I. Me, myself, and I, that sense of ego, and that sense of self-preservation, and my existence, and continuing and shouting out my existence, which is what the physical world shouts out. I exist just because I exist. without any redeeming value, without any redeeming qualities, I am because I am. I don't need any redeeming qualities. I don't need any justification, rhyme or reason. Where does this feeling come from? Only God can create something from that. Only the essence of God can create something. And that's why the revelation of God, as he's going to say, the revelation of God in this world 
is much more profound than the spiritual and the divine revelations of the infinite lights and all the divine revelations above. Because that's just the light. It has no end, but it has a beginning. So it's not really expressing the essence of God. This world, however, reveals and expresses the very core and essence of God. What makes God God? Which is the fact that He just exists. There is no beginning. Not only there's no end, there's no beginning. To come face to face with the essence of God, the soul has to come into this world, to come into the body, into the material, tangible, physical world, to come face to face with the very core and essence of God. But all of this is transmitted through the light, through the infinite light. Because the infinite light is a conduit that passes on this trait and this quality of the essence of God, and it passes it on in the creation, in the creative act of creating something from nothing. So the creative, the light is passing on something that's really beyond the light. But the light is so faithful, it's so egoless, it's so connected with Hashem, with His source. It's nothing other than the source that it's able to convey everything everything that's in the source. Even that that's beyond the light. And yet it's able to, to convey. So only something that's connected with Hashem has the ability to create something from nothing. The divine souls of the world of emanation, the entities of the world of emanation, the words and letters, those, as the Kabbalah calls all these worlds that are sitting in the skull of the head of Adich Hanpin, which are all these words and letters that were formulated but never, never revealed. And all the angels and entities of the world of emanation, they are connected, but they're not God. They don't have the power to create something from but the vessel of the world of emanation. This is divine. This is divinity. And when the light encloses itself in the vessels of the world of emanation, it activates the creative aspect of Hashem and it creates all the worlds. And the ultimate act of creation is the physical world, the material world something from nothing, our world. So this is the, this is really the key, but what you just read is really the key to this whole letter. And this is the tremendous revolutionary statement of the Alter Rebbe, which he wrote a week before he passed away. And what he's saying here is, which he never really said before, earlier we learned in the Tanya, that the sense of ego and the sense of separation comes from the tzimtzum, comes from Hashem hiding himself and concealing himself and the qualitative tzimtzum and the intensity of the tzimtzum, which creates the darkness and the void and the darkness through which Hashem conceals himself. 
which creates that illusion of ego, of separation, which is a distortion. It's a lie, it's a distortion. Here the Alter Rebbe is saying, and this is revolutionary, astonishing, he's saying that it actually comes from a positive place. It's not just a negative. It's not just the absence, the void, darkness, a distortion, a sad joke, a terrible distortion. Because that alone would not explain it. Because you can't give what you don't have. If everything ultimately has a source, and this world also, creation comes from the divine energy that's creating the world. So you can't give what you don't have. How can you give, create something from nothing? When the source itself is connected to it, to a source. So if the source is connected to its source, how can you can create how could you create something that feels it has no source? Doesn't make sense. Where does that come from? The hiding is not enough to explain that. Just because God is hiding and concealing himself. The Alter Rebbe says here, and he zeroed in, and this is the point, that it's not just Hashem is hiding, it's not just the absence. That wouldn't explain it. It's not just a lie, a distortion, an illusion. But it actually, this ability to be able to sense that we come from nowhere and we have no source and we're completely independent and completely self-sufficient, so much so that I don't even need God. I'm not for, I'm not against. I'm a self-made man, I'm self-sufficient. We live in a self-contained universe. No rhyme, no reason, no explanations given, no explanations needed. Where does this come from? This could only come from the positive, from the very core and essence of Hashem. Which is the ultimate ego, the ultimate I am because I am. No rhyme, no reason, no beginning. God has no beginning. But the question is, but the world is created through the energy, through the light. How can light give something that it doesn't have? Light, by definition, is dependent, has a beginning. How can light create something that senses it has no beginning? The answer is that the light is a reflection. The light is merely a reflection. The light is nothing other than its source. To the extent that it reflects even something that's beyond light. It reflects the very core and essence of Hashem. It's completely way over the head of the light. But the light faithfully transmits that as well. So it transmits God's creative ability the ability to create something from nothing, to, to transmit this sense of complete independence, of ego. But what is the filter that the oh, So that's the vessel, because without the vessel, you wouldn't have a limited being. The vessel is what defines the created being. So when the light becomes one with the vessel, and through the vessel, so the, it filters the light, and therefore, the result is the limited world that we live in, with all the limited characteristics. So that 
comes as a result of the combination of light and the vessel together. So when the light encloses itself in the vessel, the light itself, being a reflection of Hashem, is infinite. It has no end. It's undifferentiated. So it's only when the light is enclosed in the vessels, filtered through the vessel, like the colors, different colors that go through the glass. So therefore, it, therefore it's able to, the light is able to project a differentiated and finite and limited, limited, uh, limited being. So it creates the physical and the limited world as we know it. That explains all in the world. Oh, so which aspect? Okay, very good. We're actually going to get there. He's going to explain later on which, what's the filter that actually, that actually um, triggers that. that. That we're going to probably learn next week, next class. That's where he's going to start explaining, right, what, what triggers that aspect of the light? What activates that aspect of the light? The part of the light that has no, that's transmitting the essence of Hashem, that has no beginning. So there has to be an element that activates that aspect of the light. That's what he's going to explain, but that we'll get to uh, next time. It is therefore in his power and ability alone to create something, yesh, out of absolute naught, ayin, and nothingness. God is able to create substance, yesh, not only from the degree of ayin that merely lacks existence, but from absolute naught and nothingness. From an ion that is very the very antithesis of yesh of substantial existence. Right. So there is a a nothing which is not absolute nothing. For example, you know, a grain of sand in relation to all the sand that exists, you, you can't say it's nothing, but it's like nothing. What's a grain of sand in comparison to all the sand that exists? A drop in the ocean in comparison to the ocean. You can't say it's nothing, because when you take the huge ocean and you add a drop, you've added a drop to the ocean. The ocean ultimately is made up of many drops. But it's like it's nothing. It's insignificant. If you take a dollar bill, in comparison to uh, Bill Gates' wealth, <laughs> it's like it's nothing. <laughs> and probably more, more than a dollar bill. Probably a whole budget is like nothing. But you can't say it's nothing, because when you add a dollar bill, you've added a dollar bill. Ultimately, the fortune is made up of many, 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 many billions of dollar bills. So, but then there is absolutely nothing. In comparison to God, this world is absolutely nothing. Not it's like nothing, because it's insignificant. Insignificant means a grain of sand is a grain of sand. It's just unfortunate you're comparing the grain of sand to all the sand in the world. Who even pays attention? It's like nothing. But a grain of sand on its own is a grain of sand. It has a value. So then it's a relatively nothing. And we say, relatively speaking, it's like nothing. But in relation to God, it's, we're absolutely nothing. It's not like we, we're, relatively speaking, we're nothing. We're inherently, absolutely nothing. Insignificant. And yet God creates something from nothing. Even though we're inherently nothing. Absolute nothing. And yet... He creates something that senses itself and it feels solid and it feels so substantial and so significant and so real when inherently we're absolutely nothing. That's the astonishing. So only God is able to create something from absolutely nothing. In comparison to our source, we don't exist. We truly don't exist. Not relatively speaking, we're insignificant. 
but in our own right we do have some value in existence. We're absolutely nothing. And yet God creates us something, as something. As if we're something. And we sense ourselves as something. So only God has the ability to create something from nothing. Why? Without this, Yesh having any other cause and reason preceding it. There's no reason for us to feel like we're something, and yet we feel. The godly life force, the ion that creates the Yesh, is the exact opposite of the Yesh that it creates. As such, it is not a cause or reason that relates to or serves as a precursor of the Yesh that is created by it. An ion, it is the very antithesis of Yesh. This is why creation can only result from the kelim of the spherot of Atzilut, within which is vested the infinite in south light, for they are actual divinity. However, as pointed out above, angels and souls of Atzilut that have already emerged and become separated from the kelim cannot possibly act as conduits for the creation of Yesh from Ayan, inasmuch as they themselves are not actual divinity. The Alpha Rebbe now anticipates the following question. Since only the Ain Sof can create Yesh from iron, what need is there for Kalim of the Spherot? He goes on to answer that the Kalim enabled the Ain Sof to create a finite Yesh. Since the Ain Sof is infinite, the beings that result from it would also be limitless, if not for the Kalim of the Ten Spherot of Atsiri. In order that this yesh created by the infinite power of the Ain Sof should have a limited measure, the infinite Ain Sof was vested in the Kalim of the tenth sphere of Atsiri. But the Kalim are limited inasmuch as they divide into distinct character categories of Hakma, Chesed, and the like. And it becomes united within them so absolutely that he, the Ain Sof light, and his causations, the Kalim of the Surah, were one, so that he can create with and through them creatures that have limitation and finitude. This is especially the case through their investment, that is, the investment of the Kalim of the Surah in Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya, for this adds immeasurably to the and corporeality of the resultant created being. James, so flight is not a creation? No, it's a reflection of Hashem, not a creation. It's godly, it's not a creation. It's a reflection of Hashem, just like the sun emanates from itself. It's not, it's, so it's completely unified with its source. The infinite light is, is infinite. It's like Hashem, it's godly and divine. It's a reflection of Hashem. It's nothing other than, than Hashem. Everything it has is from Hashem. So it's not a separate entity. It's completely unified. That's the nature of light. Light is not separate. You can't separate the light from its source. You can't bottle the light. The moment you don't see the sun, you can't see its light. From the moon we can see the light. What? From the moon we see reflection. Okay, so it's, so it's a reflection of the... So again, this is a reflection. From the sun, you see the sun. Yeah, but so you're not seeing the sun. You're not seeing. You're seeing a reflect, a bouncing off of the light uh-huh. through the sun, through the moon. But the light, when you see light, you see its source. You can't see one without the other. Um, you can't have electricity unless it's connected to its source, to the generators. That's the definition of light. Light 
is unified, is inseparable from its source. Nothing other than its source. Everything it has is from its source. All it is, is to reflect its source. Whatever the sun has is reflected in its source, in the light. So the infinite light is, inf- is infinite. Just like Hashem is infinite, the infinite light is also infinite. And it's and godly and is divine. It's like Hashem himself. It's Hashem's light. So because it's the light, and therefore, just like the sun is not affected by the light, the sun transcends the light. So Hashem transcends his light. That's why the creation of the world, Hashem remains unaffected by creation. Because if Hashem would create the world directly, if you take away the infinite light, then creation would affect Hashem. Because creation is, comes from Hashem's reflection, Hashem's infinite light, therefore, just like the sun remains transcendent from its light, so Hashem also remains transcendent, unaffected, by the light, whether the light shines, the light doesn't shine. So Hashem remains unchanged. So the infinite light helps us understand, helps us explain that although the world is created by Hashem and there's nothing other but Hashem and there's nothing else besides Hashem, and yet Hashem remains unaffected by creation. How can Hashem remain unaffected by creation? So that's the analogy of light. Light is a very powerful analogy because... Just like light, physical light. Light doesn't enclose itself. Doesn't, is not engaged. The effect of the light is almost automatically. The light is not engaged. You think it matters to the light whether it's illuminating a palace or a house in the East Hamptons, $5 million house, or some garbage dump? To the light, it makes no difference. The light doesn't have to think, okay, now I'm going to illuminate this place, that place. That's why simultaneously the light can do contradictory things. The light can heat, can melt, the light can solidify. Because the light, like fire, it's not thinking about, the light is being itself. I am here, I am here, I'm reflecting my sun, I'm reflecting my source. That's what I'm all about. Whatever effect it has is almost incidental. This effect, I'm not thinking about you. You don't even exist. All that exists is the light. Whatever effect the light has, it's automatic. It's not the light doesn't have to think about it. It doesn't have to change. It's not affected by its effect. It affects everything around it. The whole world lives off the light, but it's not affected by it. That's the nature of light. It's the nature of energy, of fire, light, electricity. You think it matters to electricity whether you plug in a refrigerator or you plug in a CD or a computer? The electricity has to think, okay, now I'm empowering, I'm powering up a television. Now I'm powering up a notebook or a car. It doesn't matter. It's electricity. <laughs> electricity is just being itself. Whatever it flows through, if it happens to power up a car, it's fine, electric car, fine. It happens to power... It doesn't matter. It's not affected. It's not engaged. It's not changed because it doesn't enclose itself. It remains aloof. 
Because it's, it's, it's transcendent. That's the nature of light. It's transcendent. It it's, it's doesn't get involved in you personally, in the nitty-gritty, in the details. In the, and that's why it's the same light, the same energy, the same light that flows through, the same electricity, the same light in the palace and the garbage dump, the same light that simultaneously can have so many different effects. It can solidify one thing, melt another thing, heat up one thing. It's the same light. The fire is just being itself. The light is just being itself. Whatever effect it has, mazel tov. But, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't have an effect. It doesn't have an effect. This type of effect. That type of effect. It doesn't change. That's the nature of light. That's the, that's the analogy. Hashem gave us this analogy to help us understand how Hashem creates the world. There's the light. There's the earth. But the light is infinite. The light is infinite means it's transcendent. The light is transcendent. So the same light has so many different effects without engaging, without enclothing itself, without being defined or limited in any way. So its effect is almost, is almost like it's not about you, it's about the light. The light is just there, and the light is just being itself, and therefore it has, it has this effect. Versus the kalim, the vessels. The vessels are what, are what define the light, and it changes. What does it change? It changes that the light that comes, goes through the vessels the light now engages and is, fits and encloses itself into that which it creates and animates. It's defined. It becomes a defined light. Right. So in language of Kabbalah, the difference between a malik kalam and a seva kalam, the transcendent light versus the light that fills the world. For example, in your soul, as we learn at the end of Tanya, you can listen to the lessons in Tanya.com, chapters 51, 52, 53, very powerful chapters. Al-Tarevi explains that you have the light, the kochot, the individual energies of the soul. For example, the energy that the soul has, intellectual energy, intellectual capacity. That intellectual capacity is engaged and captured by the mind. It's not that the soul is like electricity and the electricity flows through the body and when the electricity flows, flows through the brain, it activates the brain, it activates your thinking capacity, like activating the refrigerator. And when the electricity flows through the heart, it activates your emotions, now I'm feeling. But it's the same energy. To the energy, it doesn't matter if it's a brain, if it's a heart, if it's your feet, or if it's your legs, or if it's your hands. It's all the same or your eyes, or your ears. No, it's not true. The soul has, the koyach, has the ability to see. And that ability to see perfectly fits the eyes and is engaged by the eye and captured by the eye. It's a very unique energy that's completely defined and one with the eye. And that's why the pain, when you feel pain, there's a difference where your pain is. If it's a pain in your foot, if it's a pain in your legs, if you pain in your hands, if you pain in your heart, God forbid, a pain in your brain. 
even though the brain senses the nerve systems, well, ultimately goes to the brain, but it depends on which part of your body. Every part of your body hurts differently. If it's the same energy, what's the difference? It's the same energy. It's like electricity. What's the difference? Whether it's in the fridge or it's in the car or it's this, it's the same energy. If it, the pain should be the same. But we see it's not so. Your brain feels one way. Your heart feels another way. Your arms feel another way. Your eyes feel another way. Your ears hear. Because there's a unique energy. There are specific energies that are unique to the ear and unique to the the hearing ability to hear is unique to the ear the ability to see is unique to the eye it's not the same energy it's different energy that's what we call mamalikalaman that's the energy that's engaged and captured and defined it's a defined energy so when the light goes through the vessels it's not just like light that goes through colored glasses and you see it in different colors but it's the same light no as a result as a result of the words and the letters, which are the vessels, the light is a different type of light. It's a light that's a pneumistic light. It's an, an internal light that's encompassed and captured and enclosed and engaged in the finite, finite entity. And it's customized and custom-made. That's called the mamala kalama. God fills all the world. Then you have Seyvel Kalam, the infinite light, which is like the light of the sun. It's just light. Light that doesn't get involved. It's aloof. It's transcendent. It doesn't matter. I don't care. It's not about you. I'm just being myself. I'm just reflecting. I'm reflecting. Whatever effect it has, it's a mazel tov. But I don't care. I'm not involved. I'm not engaged. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't change me. That's what we call Seyvel Kalam, the transcendent light. And the analogy in the human being is willpower pleasure there's no organ for willpower there's an organ for the brain for the intellect it's called the brains you have three different types of brains three different capacities wisdom understanding and knowledge you have an organ the heart which is an organ for the emotions every you have for, for, for seeing for hearing every organ is unique for its capacity where's the organ for willpower there's no organ for willpower. It's all pervasive. Because will is transcendent. Will is just a reflection of the soul. I want. And that's, that's what it's all about. It's the soul wants. Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. What do you want? It's not about what I want. It's the fact that I want. That's all that matters. It's the I that wants. And that's why willpower is so powerful. People who are born with dense heads, heads filled with rocks, but have such a willpower, such a desire to learn and to study, and to, they broke their head, busted their head, and turned into the world's greatest geniuses. That's the power of willpower. Because I want, and I want to master this, and nothing is going to stop me. And they wanted it so badly that it just overwhelmed their tiny little brain and turned them into geniuses. That's the power of willpower. So willpower is all pervasive. There's no organ for will. Will is an expression of the soul. This is what I want. And all that matters is that this is what I want. This is an expression of my soul. This is what my soul wants. My soul wants. My soul is going to get 
and it's, 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 it affects every part of you. You want to put your foot in the hot water? Put your foot in the hot water because you want it. It's the power of will. There's no organ for willpower. There's, there's no organ for pleasure. It's all pervasive. Everything you do, ultimately, what's the ultimate reward for everything that you do? Pleasure. You break your head, you try to figure something out because the reward gives you tremendous pleasure. When you figure something out, you figure out a good riddle, a good puzzle, you figure out something complex and you finally figure it out, you made sense of it, it gives you tremendous pleasure. Everything you do, you want to do kindness, ultimately, a person who loves to do kindness, it gives him tremendous pleasure. You don't have to dig too deep. Behind everything is pleasure, the pleasure principle. That's, that's the drive to everything. So it's not limited to any one aspect. It's all pervasive. It's all over. Because it's your soul. Pleasure and will are transcendent expressions of your soul. Not the individual kohot, individual energies that are specific and limited and defined. By nature, they are transcendent and infinite, an expression of the soul. That's why it's so deep, so profound, all-pervasive, not limited to any, any one part of the person. So that's a reflection of God's infinite light. So it's only when you have the combination of the ur, of the light, the infinite light, which is God's transcendent light, which reflects Hashem, and reflects Hashem's transcendence, reflects that Hashem remains unaffected by the world. And when that combines and becomes one with the Kalim, which is God's ability to limit, God's ability to, when the light is filtered through the vessel, so as a result, you end up with this, this very specific energy that's engaged and customized because God is truly unlimited. God is not limited to being infinite. God is not limited to being transcendent. God has the ability to also engage and to also be enclosed. Because God is truly undefined. And therefore he can take his infinite light and put it through his vessel, his own vessel, which is God's ability to limit. And as a result, and as Alter Rebbe said in the beginning of the letter, Kalim, that seal is our limit, because God is not limited to being infinite and transcendent. And therefore, as a result, you end up with a light and an energy that's very specific. So every entity, every existence has a unique, unique name, a Hebrew name, a unique energy that's channeled and custom-made for that entity. That's the meaning of a Hebrew name. Because the energy that's channeled through that name is a customized energy. It's not just a general transcendent energy God is transcendent and the same energy flows through the whole universe and therefore it doesn't matter to God whether if it's an angel or if it's an amoeba. It's all the same. It's all godly. It's all the divine energy. Hallelujah. It's all God. No. Through the vessels, the light going through the infinite light, going, becoming one with the vessel, which is itself one of the greatest mysteries, how the infinite light could become unified with the vessel. But only God, who's truly undefined, could take His infinite light and merge it with His vessel, which is His ability to be limited, to limit Himself. And therefore, 
as a result, we have these names, through the Hebrew name and Hebrew letters, channel, God channels His energy to create a different type of energy, an energy that fills all the worlds, just like the soul fills the body in a very specific way, in a very unique way, in a very individual way, in a very personal, internal way, so too God's light could be internalized, integrated and internalized and captured by that entity. So it's a very unique energy, limited energy. It's unique and limited to that individual entity. That's why we need the vessels. That's what he's explaining why we need the vessels. If you don't have the vessels, all you have is this infinite light, transcendent light, which the light remains unaffected and is not engaged and not involved. And God wanted to be engaged and involved. Because otherwise we really can't relate to God. God is just transcendent. God is infinite. He remains unaffected. So, yes, the, the godly energy is coursing through all of us. But it's a, it's a light that's transcendent. It's an energy that's transcendent. We can't relate. We can't connect. God wanted to have a personal relationship. So God, through His vessels, through His vessels, emanated a light that's internal, that could be internalized, a light that's concentrated, discuss how the vessel is formed? Well, we're going to discuss later because the vessels really come from the um, he doesn't discuss it here so much but elsewhere in Hasidus is explained that the vessels come from the uh, God's ability to limit. Just like God has the ability to be infinite, God also has the ability to be finite. Tim. No, the, and the, the, it's more than that. The Rishimu. It actually comes from the Rishimu. All the Tzimtzum did, the Tzimtzum removed the infinite light and revealed the Rishimu, revealed God's ability to be finite, to concentrate himself, to limit himself, to be internal. So the Tzimtzum, which completely hid the infinite light, allowed God's ability to limit and to concentrate himself, to be engaged, allow that ability to emerge and to surface. That's the Rishimu, and that's the source of the vessels. So the vessels have their own source, apart from the light. Just like they have the body and the soul. It came from the light, right? Well, not so simple. No, it has a separate source. Just like the body and the soul, the body and the soul are one, but the body and the soul have a separate source. So too, within God, the, the, the lights of Atsilas and the vessels of Atsilas have separate sources. And that's what we say in Pasach Elio, if, if God would remove the light, it would be like a soul, a body without a soul. Because the, the vessels are not just externalizations of the light, uh, concretizations of the light, manifestations of the light. The physical is not just a manifestation of the soul. It has its own source. Because it's through the, the vessels, the light that comes through the vessel is a different type of light. 
it undergoes a process and it's a different type of light. It becomes an internal light. It becomes mamalukalaman, a light that fills all the worlds, which is different than the light that doesn't go through the vessel. Light doesn't go through the vessel, it's infinite, but it's transcendent. When, but that's when it's unified with the orange soul. But the, but, the best, but the vessel itself, isn't, doesn't it come from the light? That, is, doesn't it remain after the light was, was taken back? When the, light, the first symptom. Before the cup. Before the cup. The, the original symptom. The cup is already after the symptom. But the original symptom was the light was completely removed, so to speak. And that what was left is a rishimu, is like a, uh, a mark. And that, that's like the Hashem's ability to be finite, to concentrate himself. And that's the source of the vessels. That's where the vessels have its own source. And when the vessels are not just the manifestation of the soul, of the infinite, the vessels have its own source, because when the light goes through the vessels, it, 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 the result is a different type of light. A light, it's mamalikalam, a light that fills and engages and is invested and is personal and is intimate with, its, with the entity that it creates and it's a different, a different, It's a new dynamic. It's a new dynamic. Not just, it's not just hiding and concealing. That's what we learn in the second part of the Tanya, the end of chapter 5, and go back to it on lessonsintanya.com. It's not just a, a hiding. It's not just the vessels hide the light, conceal the light, like the light that goes through the colored, uh, the water that goes through the colored, um, you know, colored glasses. So the water is the same, or the light is the same, you just see different colors. No. When the light goes through the vessel, it's something dynamic. It changes. The light itself now becomes a mamalikal almond type of light. A light that fills, that's vested, that's enclosed, that's engaged, that's personal. It's intimate. It's a whole different type of light. So in order to create a world, that's what he means here, in order to create a world which is finite, the light has to become finite, in a way. The light has to become a mamalical almond type of light. The light has to become a light that could be internalized and engaged in the entity that it's creating and sustaining. That can only come about through the vessels. When it's filtered through the vessels, which is rooted in God's ability to limit and concentrate it. But on the other hand, every, you need light. Everything is created through light. The light is a revelation. And it's the light which is a reflection of its source that could convey into the vessel, through the vessel. So this light that goes through the vessel and now becomes a malakalalman type of light, a light that's vested and internalized, but this light retains that quality of light that the light is a reflection of its source including the fact that the source, which is the essence of God, has no beginning, and therefore has the ability to create something from nothing. The something also feels it has no beginning, as if it comes from nothing. That could only come from the essence of God, which is conveyed and transmitted through the infinite light, which when it goes through the vessels, now it becomes an internal light. So this internal light is what creates us and sustains all the worlds 
the created world, the world of creation, the world of formation, and the ultimately our world, the world of action. And next week we'll, uh, he'll address what's the filter, what triggers this aspect within the light to trigger this ability to draw out this aspect within the light that even the light doesn't know that it has. <laughs> the light doesn't even realize that it has something. It has something. It's, it's, it's carrying. It's a carrier of something that's beyond it. It's carrying something that's beyond its, its whole being. The light is carrying God's essence, the ability, the fact that God is, has no beginning. When the light itself is all about, it has a beginning. That's the definition of light. It has a source. It's almost the exact opposite of its essence. Its essence is all about that it has no beginning. The light, what, what is the light all about? It has a beginning. That's the definition of light. And yet the essence, is a, the light is a carrier of this quality of its source of the essence that it has no beginning. And it, it's transmitted. It's transmitted all along without even the light being aware of it. But then there's something that triggers, that awakens and triggers and activates this aspect within the light that the light doesn't even know it has. What is that trigger? What is that filter that filters it out, that brings it out and activates this aspect within the light? That's what we're going to learn and discover next week. Plot thickens. (laughs) (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.